Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today is Tuesday, July 13th. Football season is right around the corner. Fantasy season is right around the corner. Drafts in a couple weeks. I'm sure everyone's pretty excited. I know I am. Uh, the summer is absolutely flying by. And today we have some late-round quarterbacks and some late-round tight ends, as well as an AFC South fantasy preview. A lot of exciting stuff, but as we all know, we're all just looking for the season to get started. A lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff to go over, a lot of good stuff to get through, and I am eager to see a post-COVID NFL world and a post-COVID real world that we seem to be living now. Masks are coming off. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, let's just hope that this Delta variant doesn't make things interesting in the fall. But I digress. Let us waste no time, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get right into it. When it comes to quarterbacks, I have always been a fan of taking a late-round quarterback. I have never liked taking quarterbacks early, and the reason is because if the quarterback that you're taking does not turn out to be elite, you can seriously bury your team. What I mean by this is if you take Patrick Mahomes in the second round and for whatever reason he gets injured or he doesn't pan out, he doesn't have a season that separates himself from the other guys, the other quarterbacks at the position, and you pass up on a guy, a league winner like Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, or Cam Akers, or one of those elite running backs or receivers, you really can cost yourself. And whoever took the guy that you passed up on is going to have a big-time advantage later in the season when he's going off. So for that reason, in one-quarterback standard leagues, I always just load up on running backs, specifically early, and then receivers. Um, taking a tight end is definitely an option. You have to make sure that they pan out too. Travis Kelsey this year is going in the first round, which is something that we haven't seen since the Gronkowski days. But I will never take a quarterback in one quarterback leagues that aren't that are just standard straight up leagues. I will never take a quarterback that isn't a late round quarterback, at least in a ten or a twelve team league. There just isn't a reason to. Unless you are convinced that a guy, you know, maybe in the sixth or seventh round is gonna break out then shoot your shot but it just does not make sense to me to spend a second third or a fourth round pick on a quarterback it just doesn't it's simple as that but we are not here to talk about the early guys we're here to talk about the late guys that could potentially break out so five quarterbacks that are going in the later rounds that have a chance to break out number one the hot commodity when you stick his name up on the draft board, you're going to get some oohs and ahs. Trevor Lawrence of the Jacksonville Jaguars going in the 10th round, the early 10th round currently, is his ADP. I love the talent. He is the best quarterback prospect in ages. You know, you could say since Andrew Luck, since Peyton Manning, whoever you want to say. Urban Meyer is going to make things interesting. I think the Jaguars are going to be a pretty solid team I don't think that they will make the playoffs I don't think that they have any chance to make the playoffs but they could easily get six or seven wins no question about it that offense is absolutely loaded from the skills positions the offensive line is a little questionable Cam Robinson's good Jake Linder's good but they definitely have some holes they're not going to be a good team but in fantasy with quarterbacks you can have quarterbacks on bad teams that are good for fantasy it doesn't matter. And so when you have a quarterback that's talented like that and he has talent around him, 
for fantasy, that's all you need, especially when the coaching is right. Now, the 10th round is not the most ideal spot. I like to wait a little later for quarterback, I think, because quarterback is just so deep. So if he's still going in the 10th round, I will not be taking him, but I would not have any problem if someone wanted to take the flyer because he can be really special. Ryan Fitzpatrick up next. I have heard so many people talk about how great this Washington offense is going to be. I think we need to wait and see because as well as Fitzpatrick played later in the year last year, you have to remember that this guy has been on like 19 NFL teams, and there's a reason for that. He's not a franchise guy. He's very streaky, very hit or miss. He can look like the best quarterback in the world, but then the next game or even later in the game will just throw some throws where you scratch your head and think, what the heck was he looking at? There is Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic, and Fitztragic. And when you get Fitzmagic... You get a top three finish, top five finish on the week, 30-plus fantasy points. But there's Fitz Tragic, where he gives you single-digit fantasy points on a week and can just bury your week or your team for that week. And he's currently going in the 16th round, which if you wait on quarterbacks like I do, that's certainly an area that I don't mind taking a flyer on him. But realize that... While he does have top five, top 10 upside, he also has a crazy low floor too. Number three, Tua Tungabaloa. Big Dolphins fan, big Dolphins homer here. I'd be lying if I told you that I don't have some questions too about him. But the skills positions and the receivers around him are as deep as I can remember. Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, Jalen Waddell. Preston Williams, Lynn Bowden, maybe a couple guys that only I know, but I don't believe that the play calling was there last year. I think Chan Gailey was one of the worst offensive coordinators in the NFL, and Tua this summer, earlier this summer in a press conference, even admitted that he had no idea what was going on with that playbook last year. Reading the reports, a full offseason, a full playbook designed for Tua, I believe is going to go leaps and bounds and make just a huge difference. And he's going in the 13th round. He's pretty much free. Did not have an amazing rookie year, but it was not as bad as people say. You know, the last two games that he played were his worst two games of the year. And the reason that everyone's so down on him is because the last two games that he played were bright and center, front and center, rather. The brightest lights. You know, the Raiders game, he choked. He did not play well. Fitzpatrick had to come in and save him. That was week 16. Week 17, he also choked. He did not play well. But those are really the only two games that the public got to see. If you go back and watch the Arizona game, he outdueled Kyler Murray in Arizona in the desert. And that's the upside of Tua. There's a reason he was taken in the top five. He is one of the most accurate college quarterbacks, if not the most accurate college quarterback in the history of college football. He's one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time. And the talent is there. The talent is there. Now, whether he puts it all together, I don't know. But 
if you're going late round quarterback like I do, there are worse players that you can get outside of Tua. And you know what? If he doesn't pan out, you can always just drop him. You can always just drop him. Number four, Baker Mayfield going in the 12th round. Another guy that is on a loaded offense. Baker played really, really well later in the season last year. And one can make the argument that the Browns should have went into Kansas City and won that game. They were up late in that game, and Baker had one of, if not his best game of the season that game. I don't believe that he is a top five or even top ten quarterback talent in the league, but he's definitely, you know, 11 through 15. He's he's a good player, and he may, outside of the Kansas City Chiefs, have the most loaded skills positions around him. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt is the best running back duo in the league. Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry are arguably the best wide receiver duo in the league. A lot of things have to go wrong for Baker Mayfield to not be at least a usable fantasy asset. And number five, Jameis Winston going in the 18th round. Most leagues don't have an 18th round, (laughs) so he's essentially free. And this is really a flyer. I I would not leave a draft unless I knew Jameis Winston was starting for the Saints. I would not leave a draft with him as my number one quarterback. But if you took two late rounders and Jameis is just a stash on your bench, he's another guy that reminds me. Him and Ryan Fitzpatrick really play the same. They'll look like the best quarterback in the league for five games, and then they'll play five games where they just look like they don't know how to play quarterback in the NFL. And that's okay. I believe that Sean Payton is the best coach that Jameis Winston has ever had. And if Sean Payton can get the best out of Jameis, then there's no telling. Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, we already know what they do. And I really hope that Taysom Hill does not start because I think that Jameis deserves at least one more shot, form a number one overall pick. And he showed promise in Tampa Bay. He did at times. He also played terribly at times, but... I'm not ready to write Jameis off just yet. I think he deserves one more shot. Now we have five late-round tight ends. Literally makes me want to puke looking at the tight end position. But I will say it's not as bad as in years past. Definitely not as bad as in years past. So number one, going in the 11th round, Mike Gesicki, part of that Dolphins receiving core that is really loaded. Mike Gesicki is essentially a slot receiver. He doesn't really block at all, but that's good for fantasy. He is entering a contract year. Not the most household name. However, he's good. He had a really good year last year, mostly from Fitzpatrick, but that doesn't take away from the player at all. If you're looking for tight ends, I think that you can do worse than Mike Gesicki. And a lot of these tight ends, once you get past the top three, four through 15 are really just the same. I know that everyone wants to hype up Kyle Pitts, but he's a rookie. He's going in the sixth round right now, and you are basically paying as if he will have the greatest rookie tight end season of all time. I'm not comfortable taking Kyle Pitts in the sixth round. I don't care how good a prospect he is. Number two, no offense, going in the 10th round. Was hurt all year last year, but when he was healthy, he looked good. The Broncos quarterback situation is a little shaky, but I think that when it comes to pure talent, whoever the quarterback is, Fant will be fed handsomely he is a good player 
And when he's healthy, he is usually produced. Another guy going in the 10th round, Logan Thomas, finishes the third tight end last year in such a gross tight end year when Kittle went down. That was, people were struggling. I remember I had Travis Kelsey in both my leagues, but most weeks I was playing people that had like uh, Jonu Smith or you know Hunter Henry. And when you have Travis Kelsey and you're playing one of those guys, you automatically get a 20-point advantage, which may be a reason to take or consider taking Travis Kelsey in the first. I won't be doing it, but I can definitely see the argument for that but I digress Logan Thomas you know one of those quarterback converted positions when it comes to tight ends that you're just taking a flyer on when you get to this range in this area in the 10th round you kind of have to pick your poison I really like to take two late round tight ends and see if one of them pans out if I'm not going to get an elite guy that's my strategy because tight end is just really a tough position in fantasy football so if you went logan thomas and maybe another late round flyer like anthony ferkser oj howard jordan akins you know you kind of double up there i wouldn't hate that again teach their own with the tight end position it is a nightmare in fantasy and tight end premium can maybe help balance that out a little bit but Tight end is just tough. And then a super deep sleeper that I like is Blake Jarwin. Was really hurt all of last year. He had one catch on the season, but the two years before that, he played all 32 games. And the the talent is decent. And with Dak back, I think that he'll be at least usable for fantasy. Again, I'm not advocating that he be your for sure tight end one, but I don't hate taking him in the last round of drafts. All right, next up, full AFC South fantasy preview to wrap things up on the show today. And let's start from the bottom. Number four, or at least how I believe the division will play out, is the Houston Texans. I believe that if Deshaun Watson does not play for the Houston Texans, that they will be the worst team in the league outside of the Detroit Lions this upcoming season. Tyrod Taylor, starting at quarterback, no thank you. That's tough. Fine bridge quarterback. Not the worst player in the world, but not the answer, obviously. The running back room is crowded. Maybe the most crowded running back room in the league. It's just four players that are like pretty solid average, but nothing crazy, which is really interesting. And each guy seems to have their own injury history as well. David Johnson, Philip Lindsay, Mark Ingram, Rex Burkhead. You tell me. I don't know. Take whoever's the least drafted guy and hope that he breaks out, I guess. I'm not really interested in owning any Texan outside of the next guy that I'm going to talk about, which is Brandon Cooks. Really an underrated player. He's a good player. He's small, he's tiny, he gets hurt, but he is a good player when he's healthy. If Tyra Taylor's the quarterback, I don't know how much Brandon Cooks I'm going to own, but if Deshaun Watson's back... They definitely had a connection when Cooks was healthy. He really came on from week five on last year and was a top 15 wide receiver from that point, in points per game at least. rest of the receivers, Randall Cobb, Andre Roberts, no thank you. And the tight end, Jordan Akins. Again, if the Texans are really this bad and they're throwing all the time, I don't hate Jordan Akins as a late-round flyer, but you're really struggling if you're going to have Jordan Akins be your tight end one. And 
outside of Cooks, if Watson isn't there, I'm not really into any Texans. If you want to take a running back from the running back room, be my guest, but don't expect to start them for at least a couple weeks. You have to see how that plays out. Number three, third place, the Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence, we already talked about. Another crowded running back room with James Robinson, Travis Etienne, and Carlos Hyde. James Robinson and Travis Etienne is a good problem to have for the Jaguars. And they're both they're both very different players. James Robinson is not really a receiving back. He's much more of a downhill runner. He plays almost like Chris Carson where he'll just level you and not stop until you have five guys on him and then he can hit the ground. Not the best vision or talent really, but they gave him 550 carries last year and he ended up producing for fantasy. However, I don't really want a piece of James Robinson this year. I think that he's currently going in the sixth round, and that is just a little too rich for me because I believe that Travis Etienne will be the Jaguars running back that you want to own. Flashy new rookie, Urban Meyer hand-picked him. Trevor Lawrence has the connection and the chemistry, and he is an exceptional pass-catching back. I don't expect the Jaguars to be very good, yada, yada, yada. Etienne is the better player. James Robinson was undrafted. Travis Etienne was a first-round pick. Etienne was picked by this coaching staff. James Robinson was not. Etienne was brought in by the Jaguars this year with them knowing James Robinson was on the roster already. Etienne's the guy. And they seem to be going around the same area. James Robinson is actually going in the fifth round, and Etienne is going in the sixth round. I expect that to change come August. Etienne is the sexy name you know everyone knows him first round pick i just i'm buying into the talent more than anything and the guy that was picked by the coaching staff when they knowingly had the other guy on the roster receiving core dj chark lavisca chanel marvin jones dj chark is a good player gardner Minshew last year was terrible chark suffered because of that i believe that Chark now with competent quarterback play will be right back to wide receiver two territory. Visca Chenault, another guy that everyone really raves about. To be truthfully honest, I don't know too much about him, but I've heard that he's talented. Um, It's really hard to judge these Jaguars players from last year because of the fact that their quarterback play was so bad. And when you play for the worst team in the league, you just don't know because... The Jaguars were barely an NFL team last year, and (laughs) we just have to see. And then tight ends, next question, Tim Tebow. If you want to be the drunk guy that puts him up on the board in the last round, be my guest. Number two, the Colts. Second place finishers, the Colts. That's what I believe will be the case. Carson Wentz. That is an interesting name right there, Carson Wentz, because... He had an MVP year three or four years back. Last year, everything in Philly went wrong. Wentz did not play well, but the Eagles went to hell. I mean, they were so bad last year. They were hurt. Everything that could have gone wrong last year for the Eagles went wrong. And Wentz suffered because of that. I'll give Wentz a chance. Wentz is currently going in the 13th round, and I love that all day long. As a flyer, of course. He can be your quarterback one, and if he isn't playing up to standard, just drop him and pick up another. 
Now, obviously, things change in Superflex and two-quarterback leagues, but I'm strictly talking one-quarterback, 10, 12, or 14-team leagues. I love Wentz. He is in a good offense, fresh start. Sometimes we see things pan out in situations like this, and I believe that Wentz will be no exception. Jonathan Taylor, the argument about taking him in the first round I'm all in on him as long as it's not a top six or seven pick. If it's a late first-round pick, I believe that he is worth that all day. Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines also in that running back room. Marlon Mack's a good player. He was hurt all last year. We have to see what he looks like coming off that Achilles. But Mack and Hines definitely scares me a bit. Jonathan Taylor is being talked about as a top-five pick, and I'm just not comfortable taking him in the top five late first maybe but top five absolutely not that running back room is just too crowded and people forget how good Marlon Mack is when healthy obviously an Achilles injury is a huge injury and some players are never the same but if Marlon Mack can get close to what he used to be I would not be so sure that Jonathan Taylor is just going to take 80 90 percent of the workload and the receivers Michael Pittman, T.Y. Hilton, and Tariq Black. Shout out, Connecticut. I am not really going to target any Colts receivers personally. There are people that love Michael Pittman. I am not the biggest fan of him. I think that he is just a big tight end that plays receiver. Definitely room to grow, and with a fresh quarterback, new quarterback. You know, Phillip Rivers actually played pretty well last year for them, but we kind of have to see how the receivers and Wentz gel because sometimes it takes a while. T.Y. Hilton's old, and I, I just don't really want any Colts receivers personally. I think that this running or this this team is gonna go through the running back, and then Jack Doyle as a tight end again, another guy. Tight end is all the same. Don't mind him if you want to stash him. Go ahead. And then the team that is absolutely loaded on offense. I expect the Tennessee Titans to easily win this division. This for my money, is the weakest division in football. I don't expect the Titans to have substantial issues winning this division. Now, Ryan Tannehill, as a Dolphins fan, a lifelong Dolphins fan, everyone that is continuously pumping the fact that Ryan Tannehill is an elite-level quarterback, they want to bring up the numbers. Sure, sure. In the regular season, Ryan Tannehill is one of the best quarterbacks in the game. But as a Dolphins fan... I need you to watch the crunch time performances, the crunch time numbers, the third down conversions when it comes to Ryan Tannehill. He shrinks. And for fantasy, we don't care about that. He puts up numbers. He's a top five, top ten fantasy quarterback elite easily. No question. But saying that Ryan Tannehill is a top five, top ten quarterback in the game, in the NFL right now, no. Absolutely not. That AFC championship run by Derrick Henry a couple years back, just another example of Tannehill not being able to get it done. Last year against the Ravens in the playoffs, again, another example of Tannehill shrinking in crunch time, I'm telling you. Again, this is mostly a fantasy show, but I just get my gears a little grinded when people try and say that Ryan Tannehill is a good NFL quarterback. Regular season for sure, but 
when it matters, when it counts, Ryan Tannehill is nowhere to be found. And that has been the case consistently. I had to watch him for seven years bring us to mediocrity in Miami, seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and seven, so many times I cannot explain it and nothing has changed. He is a good regular season quarterback and his weapons are loaded around him, but please stop telling me that he's good in crunch time or a good competent playoff quarterback because until he wins a ring or until he even gets to the game, it's just not true. Oh, all right. Derrick Henry, boom. We know this. You can make the argument that he should be the first pick this year. If we, if we knew that Henry would replicate something close to what he did last year, Derrick Henry is the first pick. But as we know with running backs, they have a short shelf life. Derrick Henry was built in a lab. He is huge. He can take hits like no tomorrow. But I will say that those hits eventually catch up. Do they catch up this year? I don't know. He's only 27, and he will be 27 through most of the year. I had the fifth pick in my home league, and if Derrick Henry's there, I'm taking him. Shout out the home league. The one downside of doing a football podcast is they know everyone that you like and dislike. But, again, we're nitpicking. Derrick Henry, if he's healthy, that offense goes through him. I don't care what the receivers are. He's guaranteed workload, and you just love to see it. But is he the number one pick? Not for me. Not for me. He's he's three or four. I like Dalvin Cook and Saquon a lot more. You can make the argument for Kamara or McCaffrey as well. Dalvin Cook and Saquon for sure, and then it gets interesting. Receivers, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, Josh Reynolds, Josh Reynolds, Flyer, whatever. We know who the two stars of the show are. A.J. Brown is quickly ascending into one of the best receivers in the game. He just mauls DBs. I mean, I would not want to tackle that guy. He is really fun to watch. Only 22 years old, too. A lot of room to grow. A fun follow on Twitter as well, but that guy can play some football. And then Julio, one of the greatest ever. We don't need to go into too much detail. A.J. Brown going in the second round, currently at ADP. Julio going in the fourth. I think that the Titans are going to be a lot of fun to watch. And then Anthony Ferkser at tight end. Again, another late-round tight end. All these tight ends are the same, man. Just take whoever dart throws. Just hope that one of them lands. So that's it. That is it. The tight ends, the quarterbacks in the late round that we should target. And the full ASC South preview is complete. I hope you guys enjoyed. And... More divisional previews coming up soon. New shows for the month of July, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And we'll see you guys in the next one. Take care.